You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by my free webinar all about starting the year off strong. This webinar is for early career elementary music teachers that really want to start the year off right. If you're ready to take the first step to make sure that your first few years of music teaching are strong, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash start strong to reserve your spot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of That Music Podcast. First, I wanted to take some time and just thank you for being so understanding when there wasn't a podcast last week. So if I'm being perfectly honest, this last week has been really rough for me. Um, I feel like a lot of the realities that we've been living in kind of really sunk in this week. Um, there's been some budget cuts to the state level that kind of made things really real for me. Um, and I just needed to take some time and kind of distress and just not worry about uh, the podcast for a week. So I want to thank you all of you, those that kind of reached out and just made sure that everything was okay. Um, everyone is healthy. I, I'm just, I just needed some time to um, take some time for me during that after kind of a rough week, if I'm being honest. Um, so this week, I'm really excited to share uh, five things that I didn't learn in undergrad about teaching elementary music. So this is something that kind of irks me, and I understand where everyone is coming from on, on this level. Um because a lot of states have their music certification be like pre-K-12. Like my, my certification here in Ohio is pre-K through 12 music. So that includes general music, choir, band, orchestra, and pretty much everything. <laughs> um, and like, well, this is awesome when it comes to job security. Um, I think sometimes it can come at an unattended cost. For obvious reasons, most of those being financially, um, most undergraduate colleges and universities try to fit their music education degrees within that four-year time frame. And with one of those semesters being fully student teaching, it basically puts us in, um, you know, we have one less semester where we can actually take coursework. Um, so with so many different areas and age groups to learn about, there's definitely going to be some things that don't get a lot of light of day. Um, but unfortunately, I think this often turns down to... Um, less less time and experience working with the the elementary music realm um, so a lot of what I learned um, about being an elementary music teacher I learned by being in the elementary school um, so as I've shared before my first year uh, out of college out of undergrad I spent in um, non-music roles within an elementary school and these really helped me get a little bit sense of um, perspective on what elementary music is and what it, how it fits into the general scheme of, of the educational system. Um, and then also my time in the elementary music room has, has obviously shaped my, um, my thinking as well. So here are five things that I didn't learn in undergrad um, that I really wish that I, I could have at least known before I wandered off into the distance <laughs> of teaching music. So the first thing is that you have to always be five steps ahead of everything. So I really didn't understand just how important looking at the big picture was until I started figuring out my curricular sequence. 
So in elementary music, you're teaching the fundamental concepts that are used for years and years of music education and music appreciation. Um, my big thing, I love, um, well, in retrospect, I can say I loved it. It was really frustrating at the time. Um, but when I just kind of assumed that these students had like basic prerequisite skills, like I remember going into kindergarten and just kind of forgetting that they can't track sometimes like left to right. Um, so it, you're, you're literally sometimes starting from scratch, um, which is a really cool thing to do. It's a really awesome opportunity for us to be able to do that. Um, but if you're not cognizant of these differences and these challenges that these students might have, um, you might not be able to get that, um, that kind of understanding and that kind of deep level that you were trying to get in the curriculum when you're base teaching basic concepts. So on top of making sure that you're ahead of things, you kind of have to create your own curriculum a lot of the time. And that's one of those things I don't, I honestly don't believe a lot of just educators in general understand that um, a lot of us, when we arrive in our positions, we don't have a curriculum <laughs> that we can follow. We have to make it up as we go. Um, and let me be the first to say, I'm glad that I don't have to follow like a set curriculum or something like that, because that's just who I am as a person. Um, but at the same time, it's definitely added work um, and added research when it comes to lesson planning, because you can't, you know, you kind of have to work to front load everything over the first few years so that you're, you know, the next 20, 30 years, um, you kind of have something to go off of. Um, but the reality is that a lot of us are creating your own our own curriculum from scratch. Um, so we talked about a little bit about learning sequences and lessons built upon each other in undergrad, but I don't know. Um, I think we, we focused a lot on having a learning sequence um, rather than what that might be. Um, so that's one of those things that I've been really um, glad that I've been able to find things on Facebook, on Pinterest, uh, things um, like Kodai Today and things like that, where there's a lot of things that I can kind of pull from. Um, but it's just been a lot of research and just kind of pulling and talking to other music teachers and seeing what they're using to kind of form my own curriculum map. So <laughs> the next thing um, is is kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, it's I wish I would have learned how to plan a performance without going crazy. Um, Honestly, this was all stuff I learned kind of on the job or in my field placements uh, or by listening to podcasts and things, you know, research online. Um, but because performance is clearly a large part of what music is um, and what it, how it's taught in the public schools. Um, but I think that sometimes we get focused. It's really easy to get focused on the final product and kind of forget about the musical moments along the way. My first year, uh, my first performance, <laughs> it, it turned out fine. It was just definitely one of those first year teacher moments. I picked one of those quote unquote canned musicals and there's no shade no, uh, throwing on those those musicals. That's just you know, a term I'm using. Um, but it was one of those, I think it was like Hal Leonard or something that I had in my classroom when I got there. Um, and I picked it because, you know, I had to do something with my third graders. I had just met them um, and it was a November performance. So I had to kind of move a little bit quickly. Um, and I definitely started way too early and I just kind of, it was more of drilling music instead of kind of learning music and, um, experiencing music. And again, it turned out really well. The kids did great. Um, the parents loved it, but it just wasn't fun for me or honestly for the kids the, the entire time along the way. Um, so I wish that I would have 
learned more about programming a concert at the elementary level um, during undergrad because I think a lot of you know concert programming things was stuff that we learned um, kind of more for the secondary level um, and again I had some experience during my field placements um, but it was definitely something that I had to seek out a lot of professional development for. Um, so the number four is that classroom management is 100% it's the most important thing that you'll ever do. Um, so clearly this is true for whatever level you're teaching. Um, but at the elementary level, they will eat you alive. <laughs> um, if you've ever tried to get 25 kindergartners to make a circle without killing each other, you get it. Like, um, so I wish that I would have been able to, um, to have some more experiences creating a classroom management plan for, for the elementary level. Um, and part of this is just because of a lot of the student teaching and things were going into other people's classrooms. So we're using the classroom that they set up and we don't get to see how they got to where they are, um, which is, which is frustrating when we try to implement the same plan or a very similar plan. And we don't get those results instantly because we didn't, you know, we didn't have that, the lead up because we didn't get to see what that lead up was. Um, so I wish I would have had more experience with things like that, because let's be honest, when you give a class of fourth graders a recorder, you want them to know when it's not time to play, <laughs> because otherwise it's not going to be fun for anyone. And last but not least, this is the one that really got me when I came to um, my first year of teaching. Lessons can take hours to plan, honestly. So we have 40 minute, um, 40 minute classes where I'm at, and I it's very common for me, especially in my first year of teaching, to spend hours to plan a, a, a one lesson. Um, it sounds incredibly overwhelming and unrealistic, and it kind of is. <laughs> That's one of those things. But if you're new to elementary music and you don't have a bunch of repertoire activities and resources that you can kind of pull from your brain, um, it's so easy to spend you know hours on Pinterest going through repertoire books and um, you know on Facebook groups trying to create a new high quality lesson that you know that your students are going to enjoy. And while this might sound doomy and gloomy, what's nice is that you can use this as a base for like next year, like like um, future years. I, I wouldn't recommend doing everything exactly the same um, for year and years and years and years and years. Um, but, you know, at least you're not recreating from scratch. Um, so even within my second year of teaching, just having that, you know, that trove of first year teaching lesson plans that I could use tweak and kind of see what went well and what didn't go well and what I could, um, what I can improve upon was so much easier because I wasn't starting from scratch. So if you're an elementary music teacher, or if you're just about to, um, I really want to invite you to join me for a free webinar on starting the year strong. This live web webinar will set you up for success so that you can start the year on the strongest foot. So if you want to join the rep webinar for free, you can head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash start strong, or you can check out the, sh uh, the show notes. I'll put a link in there and a link into the show notes as well. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of That Music Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on iTunes as this really helps new music teachers find the podcast. You can find the show notes and more at thatmusicteacher.com, and you can join the free General Music Mastermind Facebook group at thatmusicteacher.com slash mastermind. I hope that you have an amazing week making music with your kids.